Right, well, you have some, some text messages? Yeah, I've got a bunch of text messages here. Let me see. What have we got? Um, it has always been the policy of communism, which is controlled by uh, the New World Order, to take control uh, and, and Jesuits from the parents and the children. Uh, the breaks have been taken away from parenting in the West over many years of social education and children's rights. They sound good, but it has poisoned society. You know that children can charge their parents with basically anything they want by simply telling their teachers whatever. Let us not be fooled by China. They are giving children a lollipop with arsenic. So that's a wow. very different opinion. Isn't that? Well, I, I see where he's coming from. It's like something that you've talked about a lot, Lyle, is children love discipline. They do. So whoever provides it, they're going to be loyal to. Mm. Ooh, ooh, interesting. It's one of those stories that, you know, when you hear it, you, you, you're like, okay, I support this. You mm. know, because I support the fact that in Australia we don't sell alcohol and cigarettes to children. Yeah, that's right. We put the brakes on as a government. And the reason that we do that as a government is because there are bad parents out there. Yeah. And so I see China doing the same thing with other addictive substances, and I say, well, this is in exactly the same category. It's a good thing. Mm. But a much better thing would be parents being parents. That's right. A much better thing would be we don't need these laws, laws because nobody does this. Yeah. It would be vastly better. you know. And as the, point, the precedent right there is like, okay, where do you actually stop with taking away parenting from parents and giving the parenting to the government? Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Interesting discussion. We would love to hear your thoughts on this. 0491-064-669. How far should governments go in removing addictive, addictive things from children? This is why you just don't have kids. That's lame. <laughs> Go away, Lawson. Bad, bad take, bad take. <laughs> yep. Maybe maybe, maybe we should have suggested this to your parents at one stage. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I, I see the, the attacks rolling in. Uh, lockdowns are made to take away the take hope away from people. The destruction that it leaves in its wake is obvious. I, I think the second half of that is absolutely correct. I think the first half is actually more based on votes. Mm. Because the reality is that these governments that are putting in these harsh lockdowns, you know, uh, Victoria, New South Wales, New Zealand, etc., are wildly popular. Yeah. And it's often like, and I don't want to sympathize with any one group of people, but it's often that like, yeah... Those against lockdowns, those who are going and doing the protests are made out to be the villains. And there's been time where I've been really critical of those people too because of their behavior. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. But it's like, it's interesting that, and we're seeing a a bit of a counter swing against that at the moment. But it's not huge. It's it's not like, it's not, it's not, it's not government changing. But a lot of people defend the government with lockdowns, even though, like, I, I'll, I'll admit that, you know, I, I've, I've been very pro lockdown. Absolutely. There is a, there is a place for lockdowns. But, you know, some of the negative effects we're seeing now, it's like, you know, this is a situation that we're navigating. There's a point, there's a point where it goes too far. That's right. And I think that's what's important. Um, the, uh, the thing that, I'm going to be super cynical right now. The government does not have your best interest in mind. The government has their best interest in mind. Oof. It's that simple. Oh. Anybody who thinks the government has your best interest in mind is a fool. The government has votes in mind. Mm-hmm. That's what they're looking for. Yep. End of the day, that's the end of the story. Where the votes are is where they will go. That's a, it's the reason why we call like sneaky and cunning people politicians. Like, is because like, well, when it comes to actual politicians, 
it's a job. It's a role. People like power, you know. It yeah. Okay, the Vatican, they are unbelievable tacticians. The whole world will bow the knee but to the Pope, but for the remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the faith of Jesus, we live in very interesting times. Yeah, well, mm, interesting. <laughs> and New South Wales is going next. Well, wow. Just, <laughs> don't even want to. I, I just that, that whole story just does my head in. Uh, let me see here. I was listening yesterday to somebody who I don't know who this is. I'm assuming a YouTuber or something or other. Um, warning Australians that we are the guinea pig for the coming reset. Okay, people have been going on about this reset for a long time and they keep giving me dates for it. Wasn't it supposed to be in the year 2000? I've had three dates for it. So No, not the year 2000. Yeah, well, yeah, the year 2000 <laughs> with the Y2K bug. Um, I've had three dates for it so far uh-huh. and it just keeps getting pushed back and back and back. I don't know. My bank account resets after payday a few times. Yeah, it's called, a point where, but some, that's where called, that's called a point in, where stuff investment. just starts to lose a bit of credibility. To be honest, <laughs> I'm not saying that it's not a thing, and I'm not going to happen because the Bible says it will happen. But yeah. in the way that in the way that it is projected to happen, the Bible doesn't say doesn't require that. Is what I'm saying. Mm. It doesn't require it happen the way that everybody's going to. You know, because people come to me like it's going to happen like this and this and this, and they give this whole formula of how it's going to happen. The Bible requires. Well, the Bible says there'll be a financial collapse. Yeah. Not necessarily. Not necessarily a reset, but a financial collapse. Mm. Uh, the Bible doesn't say how that will take place. That's right. And and it could have taken place with the end of the Cold War. It could have taken place at nine eleven. It might take place this time, or it might not. We yeah. need to be careful with our predictions. We need to stick with what the Bible says. The Bible says there's coming financial collapse at some point in the near future uh, before the return of Christ. That is what we actually know. Amen. Okay, this one's from Freco. It's a warm-up for the government to have a mandatory church and to believe and obey or be punished. Um, here comes the Antichrist. Oof. Look up everybody. Wow, really got some people stirred up on that story yeah. this morning. Because ultimately, it's like oh, we just have such a pre predisposition to being controlled, like against being controlled. Like you yeah. know, we we don't we don't want it. And as soon as as soon as you want to control people, they 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 don't want to go through. Oh, that. I'm much more pro. I'm much more prone to taking the vaccination if it's not mandatory. You know, as, yeah. soon as, as soon as you make it mandatory, it's like I'm. I don't want to do that. <laughs> Just because it's mandatory. You know, it's just human nature. I don't understand yeah. why so many of these guys don't understand human nature. And I think there is a level of, like, we need to kind of just take ourselves into account and be a little bit self-aware and say, like, oh, well, you know, there are reasons why they would want to enforce a mandatory vax in a good sense, like in a good way. Like, like it, you know, like, yes, like, like polio, like we... Get vaccinated oh, for hey, polio. I'm, like I'm, I'm not. I'm not against vaccinations. Yeah, yeah. And I I'm am, not sa- I am not against. I'm not saying you are, but I'm just like, let's. I don't know. I. I, I this is the thing. I, I'm too young to be in these conversations. Sometimes, like I feel like I've just uh, my my worldview has actually been narrowed by my youth, and it's just like I'm just like don't care a lot of the time. I don't. I don't want to get into it, but I'm just like, oh man, who cares? I'll I'll die early and 
see Jesus when he comes back. So, so the text message to keep coming through. We didn't think COVID would happen two years ago. Reset will happen when we are not looking. I'm oh, going to say financial. I'm going to say financial collapse will happen when we're not putting. I'm going to I'm going to reframe that from reset yeah. to financial collapse because that is more biblically accurate. Because mm. reset kind of brings with it the idea that we reset the economy and it starts back up again. But no, that's not happening. Nope. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, Darren's texted in with, with uh, if there was no lockdown and heaps of deaths, we would blame the government and we would vote them out. I, I added that last bit at the end there, but he's absolutely correct. And this is why we have what we have is because of votes. This is what we That's want. Right. This is actually what we want. Yep. The World Health Organization has concluded, yeah, this is... This is uh, um, this is this is no longer a good idea. That's, uh-huh. that's the World Health Organization. That's Concerned. not me. Yeah. That's not any conspiracy theorist or whatever. That's the World Health Organization. But our government still sees see votes in it. Mm. Well, I think it's... When did this article come out from who? I saw it Saturday morning. So, yeah, so it's... But even since then, they've just announced that they're letting construction workers go back to work. So I think... They're starting to cotton on. If the research gets out of there, you know, and people are making or think they are making their own independent decision to be against the lockdown because the World Health Organization said so, then things will change. Like, I don't know, just they they follow the votes. Indeed. Indeed. Anyways. We need to get to our Bible study. Final text message, not against the vaccine, against what they put in it. Uh, And I understand that there are people who have conscientious objections to the content of these vaccines and others that don't. We need to respect everybody's opinion on this and everybody's position on it. It is that simple because people need to make up their own minds as individuals between them and God as to how best honour the body being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's what we're going to do right now as we get into Bible study, as we read God's Word. You can be even more informed on those decisions because you'll have the right motivation to make them. Absolutely. Let's go to Revelation chapter 14. So glad we're going here. Chapter oh, 14. 14. <laughs> chapter 14, Revelation Let's 14. Go. Let's go. Yes. Oh, dude, this is like one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Which which part? Uh, let's start in verse 6, Revelation oh, 14 and verse 6. And I saw another angel flying. Oh, I, okay, let me get my Bible. I can't even, I can't read this. Just, just recite it. Just recite it. <laughs> saw another angel no, flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting, everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people. And he came with a loud voice saying, fear God and give glory to him who made heaven and the earth and sea. Yeah, like, I just want to read the, I just want right. to read it. I just want to give, give me one. So, okay. So yours is, you, you, you know that off by heart in new KJV. Yeah, new King James. Yeah. I know it off by heart. In the King James. King James. <laughs> no half measures here. Go <laughs> the whole hog. half measure? It's the Bible. Oh, it's half a King hey, James. Hey, what do you mean half measure? You memorized it in English? Greek only, buddy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> That's a half measure. Ooh, I wonder whether there's anybody who knows it, in, who, who's memorized it in Greek. If you've memorized this one in Greek, call us, call, call us through. We want to hear Revelation 14, 6 in Greek from memory. <laughs> If you know this, that that would be amazing. I would love to hear that. 
All right, here we go. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made the heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen. Wait, 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 wait. Do these one at a time. Do these one at a time. Okay, you skip okay. over too much good stuff here. And, and I've got somebody on my side. What? That detected through. What did they? King James <laughs> reigns. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I know. I don't accept any of that anymore. I'm Greek, I'm, Greek or nothing. Greek or nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> nothing. All right. So, um, yes, read it to us in Greek then, Lawson. <laughs> See how far you go. No, but this have, is, you, have you done Greek yet? Uh, no. But yeah. this is my specific argument to those who want to say that the new King James is a half measure or the NIV is a half. I'm not going to say there's not bad Bible translations because there are. And that when, when they, especially when they get into the area of just like, you know, thought for thought for which translation. Greek? Which Greek are you get? Which, which Greek do you like? Um, co- common Greek. No. Well, that's not what the Bible was written in. But... No. Which Greek as in, which Greek, uh, which Greek, which Greek manuscript do you like? Oh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a sucker I'm a sucker for actually you know what Latin Vulgate that's I've decided let's memorize it in Latin. Let's get back to our Bible yeah. study because we're getting distracted here. We are. Uh, Revelation chapter. By the way, I'm right. Uh, Revelation chapter fourteen <laughs> verse six. This is a cool passage. Yes, because this is really um, it's taking us right down to the end. Mm. And it's the message that goes to the world just before the return of Christ. Yes. And so if you go to Matthew 24 where we were yesterday, in fact, hold your finger there, go to Matthew 24, and we're going to read, we're going to look at the parallel that there is between these two passages, Matthew chapter 24. And, oh, why is Matthew 24 missing out of my Bible all of a sudden? Hey, I got it. Yeah, but I've got to remember which verse it is. It's on the right-hand column about three-quarters of the way down. Um, And it is, let me see here, verse 14. There you go. Verse 14, the Bible says, "And, um, And the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the whole world so that all the nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Okay, so this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached as a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. So Jesus makes this prophecy. Mm Mm-hmm. He says the gospel is going to go to the entire world just before Jesus comes back. Mm -hmm. John sees the fulfillment of this in Revelation 14 and writes about it. Mm -hmm. So you get Revelation 14 and verse 6, you've got another angel flying in the middle of heaven having the everlasting gospel. So the angel is flying, he has the everlasting gospel. What's he going to do with it? The Bible says to preach. Mm. To preach. An angel is a symbol of a message. This is a message that is going to the whole world, a message that will be preached in the whole world. To preach to who? To every nation, kindred, mm. tongue, and people. Mm. So this is John seeing the fulfillment of what Jesus prophesied. So John sees it in prophecy. Jesus prophesies it, and then John actually sees it in prophecy. Okay, so the angel has the everlasting gospel. What's he going to do with the everlasting gospel? Preach. And what's the first word of verse 7, which is the next word, the next verse? Fear God. Saying. Oh, saying with a loud voice. Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm back in the, I'm NLT. Back in the NLT. NLT. Okay. That'll... Saying with a loud voice. Saying with a loud voice. So he has the everlasting gospel. Now he's going to say the everlasting gospel. So if you want to know what the everlasting gospel is, this is it right here. Yeah. 
This is it. this is the everlasting gospel defined for us. Wow. This is the message that goes to the whole world just before Jesus comes back. The thing I love about this is we were looking yesterday at the signs of the times. Yes. And pretty much all of them are terrible. Yes. It's like earthquakes, wars, you know, famines, diseases, plagues. At the same time, like it's parallel here in Revelation. You read Revelation 13, you got the first beast, you got the second beast. They're terrible. They're, like, awful. They're, like, killing people who don't worship them. They're refusing people to buy and sell. They're giving the mark of the beast. Literally, like, deceiving people into being lost and being separated from God. And it's, like, so awesome that in Matthew 24, it's, like, you have the response to that. And it's just contained in one verse where it's, like, oh, but the gospel of the kingdom will go out. And in Revelation 13 and 14 here, you have God's response, which is you've got a people here the first six verses of Matthew, uh, Revelation 14, these 144,000 ri- rising yes. up. Yes. It's God's response to all these terrible things that are happening. No, but there will be a remnant of those preaching the word of God, preaching the everlasting gospel. And then it's identifying here what that is. Like, I feel like for us as people who kind of recognize that Jesus is coming back soon, it's like, oh man, there's hope. Like there's hot, like there's gonna be a God raised movement. There's gonna be people following Him. There's gonna be people sharing the true gospel. Like that, and it's so I think inspiring them for us because then it's like, man, I want to be a part of those people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Like absolutely, absolutely. I like, want to be giving this message right here. That's like, do I want to be sucked into the beast? Do I want to be killed? Do I want to be or not? Not well. You're killed if you're on the right side of you know of of the the war you could say you're killed if you're on god's side but it's like oh do i you know do i want to give up my faith for buying and selling and ultimately receive the mark of the beast and be lost or do i want to be a part of god's special people like preaching just the most epic message at the end of time that they literally call the everlasting gospel like as someone who aspires to follow god and loves loves god you know you've got some like positions you see throughout history it's like oh imagine being one of the 12 disciples you know, imagine being, imagine being in the place of Daniel, you know, during his amazing faith escapades, you know, imagine being with the, the, the group of Israelites who crossed the Red Sea. Well, you can be a part of the 144,000 and you preach the everlasting can. gospel. Absolutely. So awesome. It is. It is the best right here. Okay. So let's, uh, oh, we're nearly out of time. We're going to go to a song. And then uh, we'll come back. And we, Yeah to look at the the rest of this message. How are we going to get through that in 10 minutes? You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. There you go. Okay, so Raphael's text in to say it's not an issue for Greeks to memorise this in Greek. We have a lot of Greeks living in Australia, so come on, guys. Memorise Revelation 14 for us in Greek (laughs) and recite it for us. Ah, but you've got to do it in New Testament Greek. Not ancient Greek, not modern Greek, New Testament Greek. Yeah. Which Before is called koinos, koinos Greek. Okay. That's what they refer yeah. to it as. Yeah. <laughs> all right. That one. That's all we want to hear. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got, we know we've got some Greek listeners out there somewhere, so help us out, guys. We'd love to uh, hear what it sounds like. Revelation 14, 6. Let's, let's have it in, uh, in how it would have originally been. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's go to verse 7. Well, we talked about verse 7, fear God and give glory to him. What does it mean to fear God? I think it's it's this idea of, like, respect. Yes. You know, putting God in his right place. Yes. You know, uh, I think, especially Australians, we can be pretty disrespectful of, of authority and status. Like, you know, I think we, like, we've 
grown just more and more Western over time, but we have a relatively anti-celebrity culture. Like we like to bring people down, you know, tall poppy syndrome. Like we like to get rid of that stuff. But what this is saying here is, Hey, God is God. Yes. Like God is the creator of the universe. He's someone to respect and follow and love and, you know, cherish. And yeah, he, he's literally like, the creator of the universe did. That's right. We often, I mean, you can't have fear and love existing, you know, because the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. That's right. And then it says fear God. Mm. And then it says love God. And you could see that as being a major contradiction unless you knew the the uh, the old-timey concept of fear. Mm. And that is to respect. It's not about being afraid. Mm. Is respecting God for who he is. And, you know, too often we treat God like one of the fellas, and God is not one of the fellas. He is the ruler and creator of the entire universe mm. who also wants to be your best friend and have yeah. a close and intimate relationship with you. But that doesn't mean that you treat him just like one of the fellas, just because he's your best friend. We still recognize the power that God has and who God actually is. Mm. Okay, so the Bible says to fear God. What what kind of an impact is that going to have on our life if we fear God, if we respect God? Well, I kind of imagine it in the scenario of the the drill instructor. You know, you go to basic training uh, as a Marine, and, like, you go to the Marine training. It's like, well, because you're already done, your, you're already in the Army, you've done your training, and then you go to the six-week training, right, and you listen to the drill instructor who just basically the idea there is they break you down and build you back up again in their image. Um, but that I feel like that's a situation where that fear or respect takes place where it's, I'm, f- I'm going to listen to what this person does because of who they are to me. There's someone who like, ultimately you realize with the drill instructor that they care about your well being and they want you to be the best you can possibly be. And that's exactly what God wants for you as well. But so much more because he is literally God and wants you to be in every way, you know, and sometimes the drill instructor has some pretty tough things to say to you. Yeah, that's right. And sometimes the Bible has some pretty tough things <laughs> to say to you, some pretty gnarly things in the Bible. That's right. But ultimately, both like the drill instructor wants your best. Yes. He wants you to be like at the peak performance in your life, like to be able to, to serve your country. And God wants you to be at the peak performance of your life to be able to serve him. Hmm, I've never heard that illustration before. I like that. I just made it up. So. That's cool. That's a Lawsonism <laughs> right there. Okay, so here's something to think about. The Bible says that Job... There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one who feared God and eschewed evil. Wow. That's KJV. Mm. Okay, so let's translate. Could just use the word shunned. Yeah, but (laughs) eschewed is just, I mean, hey, that's a word that needs to be brought back into the... Into the, In the vocabulary, modern English, yeah. Modern, we need to bring that one back. Shunned, turned away from evil. And I think this is the natural response when we respect God and we understand exactly who he is, that we do turn away from evil. Mm. This is a message of righteousness by faith right here. Mm. That feared God or fear God means turn away from evil, righteousness by faith. Then it goes on and it says give glory to him. How do we give glory to God? Um, In our lives. Yes. And through worship. Yes. I, I think Revelation 4.11, it makes it so clear, you know, um, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things by your will, they exist and were created. Mm-hmm. Ultimately what that's getting at is like, hey, we can live a life following God that shows others who he really is. He's our creator. He's our redeemer. And in here, like giving giving glory to God, you know, is so evidence through, through our actions. 
through the way that we behave, you know, through the things that we do, through the way that we treat others. Absolutely. Mm. And, you know, when I look at the concept of, you know, give glory to him and I think about, you know, that famous statement that has been said in many different ways, you know, people would rather see Christians than hear Christians. Mm. We give glory to God by letting people see God Wow! in us. Mm. That's how we give glory to God. So it comes down to our lifestyle. What kind of a lifestyle do we live? How do we live our life? Mm. What do we stand for in our life? You know, do we have principles that we live by? Mm. Are we known as being people of principle? Okay, fear God and give glory to him. Why? What does it say next? For the hour of his judgment has come. Has come, present tense, living in it right now. Mm. It is taking place as we speak, and that is good news because the judgment is all about getting rid of sin. Yeah. Amen. Some people get scared over the judgment. That's ridiculous. Mm. If Jesus is on my side, why would I be afraid of the judgment? That's right. You know, Jesus says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. The judgment is all about God ensuring that sin will never come back. That's right. That's his purpose. God already knows whether we're saved or lost. He doesn't have to have a judgment to find out who's saved and who's lost. He has a judgment so that everybody knows that his decisions are the right decisions. Mm. That's why the judgment happens. Mm. Okay, then the Bible goes on. Fear God, give glory to him for the hour of his judgment has come and worship him. How? Who? Um, well, it just says in, in my Bible here, it says, Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and springs of water. And that's a direct quote mm. from the Old Testament. Yes. Where's that quoting from? Revelation chapter 20. Oh, no. <laughs> no. No. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 11. Exodus 20 and verse 11. What's it talking about in Exodus 20 verse 11? Um, well, it says, you know, that God, like, you know, remember that God created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that is in them in the context of the Sabbath. Absolutely. The reason we keep the Sabbath is to remember that God did all those things. So this is a direct quote from the Sabbath commandment. Mm. So when you break down the first angel's message of the everlasting gospel, the Bible says, fear God. Mm-hmm. That means righteousness by faith. Give glory to him. That means your lifestyle. The hour of his judgment has come. That means the judgment is happening right now. And worship God as our creator, quoting from the fourth commandment. That's a reminder to us wow. to keep the Sabbath mm. in honor of God because he is our creator. And that's one of the reasons why we respect God. Mm. All right, let's continue on. The Bible then goes on and the Bible lists a number of things. First of all, in the second angel's message, it says Babylon is fallen. And when it says Babylon is falling, it's talking about Christianity. Mm. We should be very careful how we go about defending, blindly defending Christianity because the Bible says that Christianity at the end of time is Babylon and it becomes very corrupt. It's not hard to see that in many parts of the world. And then there is the strongest warning found anywhere in Scripture against those who worship the beast, who receive his mark, or the number of his name. It is that message right there is irrelevant unless you know who the beast is, what the mark of the beast is, and what the number of his name is all about. These are subjects that we need to understand. If you'd like to know more about it, give us a call right here, 0491064669, and we will send you a Bible study on that subject and other. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. And right now it is time for Question of the Day. 
classic. All right, today's question of the day has to do with what we've been studying in Revelation. So, Lyle, you said something there. Yes. And a listener wants you to explain it. And right. it's essentially you said that Christianity at the end of time is represented here by Babylon. Mm-hmm. But Babylon is a pagan city in the Bible, not like God's people. So how can you say that? How can I say that Christianity is, is represented by Babylon? Let's go back to the very beginning of Babylon. Babylon was founded as an express belief in the existence of God. Mm-hmm. Babylon was founded on belief in God. That was the reason for it was founding. So basically what happened was because people believed in God and they believed that God had flooded the world and destroyed the antediluvians with a flood, they decided to build a city in rebellion against God and as a part of their rebellion against God, they needed to have a way of surviving their rebellion and so they built a tower in the city so that if God flooded the world again, they had somewhere to escape to so that they could survive that flood. Mm. And so it was built, the entire city was built on the basis of a belief in God. It was a tacit admission of the uh, of the power and the strength and the reality of the existence of God. So that's the first thing that I want to bring up. The second thing that um, I'd like to mention here is in Revelation chapter 14, you notice the Bible says something very, very significant. And that is in verse uh, 8, it says, There followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen. That great city, because she has made all nations drink the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Okay, can you fall if you are at rock bottom? No. No, there's nowhere to go. Paganism is at rock bottom. There is nowhere to go. Mm. You can't fall from paganism. Paganism, by definition, is fallen. You can only fall if you are in an exalted position. Mm. And so what the Bible is indicating here is that uh, this is this is talking about you know Christianity and saying that Christianity was once in an exalted position. Christianity once believed the pure gospel. It stood for the pure gospel. It defended the pure gospel. But Christianity fell. Mm. And when Christianity falls at the end of time and the purity of the gospel disappears, and Christianity devolves into things like you know prosperity gospel and and you know um, social gospel and politically correct gospel and all these other different gospels that are going around right now, this is not biblical, pure Christianity. This is the fall of Babylon. And this is why the Bible says Babylon will fall at the end of time, and it's because of this that I am often very reticent to just have a knee-jerk reaction to defending Christianity uh, against, say, atheism and so forth, because a lot of the time the atheists are pointing fun at, you know, pointing um, holes at Christianity are actually right. Mm. They're, they're spot on the money. What they're saying is absolutely true, and I'm not going to just sit here and defend Christianity because that's my tribe. If what atheists are saying is true, then I'll put up my hand and say, yes, that's actually true. Mm. And we need to be very, very careful as Christians that we do not over-defend Christianity because in doing so, we could end up defending Babylon, and we don't want to be doing that. Mm. Okay, the next reason that I'm going to raise here as to why uh, we would look at uh, this as being uh, Babylon is if we go to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, the Bible says, And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show you the judgment of the great whore that sits on many waters. Okay, what what does a woman symbolize in Bible prophecy? A church. 
It symbolizes a church. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, it does. It symbolizes a church. Uh, what kind of church is symbolized by a prostitute? A, f- a fallen one. A fallen church. Yeah. Guess what this proper prostitute's name is? Verse 5. The Bible says, And upon her forehead was a name written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and abominations of the earth. And so what you have depicted here is a fallen church. So that's what we should expect with Babylon. That has daughters. Mm. A whole bunch of other churches that have come from this particular church right here. And the Bible says they're all in the same category together. And so, you know, you might look at me and say, well, you're just favoring your church. No, I'm favoring a relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell you right now that no church is going to save you, not my church, your church, or anyone else's church. Only Jesus can save you. You need to be where where the truth is. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.